listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me today. Let me ask you this question. You're in the business development role, and your job is to get people to trust you and eventually say yes to you in terms of choosing you for your services. How important is it that you have a positive reputation? Well, imagine this. You walk into a conference room. There's a room full of people, and they turn and they look at you, and they've never met you before, but you know what? They've heard of you. They know what your reputation is like. Assuming it's a positive one, how much more effective are you at building connections with them, at earning their trust? How much more likely would they be at choosing to buy your services? Well, you know the answer to that, and that's exactly what we're talking about, building a revenue-generating reputation with Mike Mooney. Now, Mike is an expert on this topic. In fact, he takes his career by spending 25 years in the high-speed world of professional motorsports and his expertise at building and protecting a brand like NASCAR. And he's going to share with you ideas and how you can do the same thing. His breakthrough book, Reputation Shift, Lessons from Pit Road to the Boardroom, is a toolbox with ready-to-use personal branding strategies for people who want to create greater professional and personal opportunities in their lives. Now, make sure you visit Mike's links on the show notes and you check him out, connect with him on LinkedIn. And as always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. I hope you enjoy listening to Mike today. Here's Mike Mooney. Hey, this is Scott Love. I've got special guest Mike Mooney on the show with me today. And today our topic is building a revenue-generating reputation. Mike, thanks for joining me on the show. Oh, Scott, thanks for having me, man. I have been so looking forward to this time with you. Thank you. Me me too. And so when I hear of this topic, a revenue-generating reputation, I have this image in my mind that all I have to do is put my name out there and I get checks in the mail. I assume there's a little bit more to this than (laughs) developing revenue with a reputation. So kind of break this down for us. What do we mean by revenue generating reputation, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart uh, for years of of working in professional motorsports industry and NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, where I was running programs for sponsors like Mercedes-Benz, Tylenol, 3M, Walmart. and big brands. Big Big brands, brands. you know, investing tens of millions of dollars, right, into a sport and working with drivers and teams to help build and expand reputation. So for me, it was a very personal thing because I often worked on the after effect, right? The what now when there was a, a reputation crisis. And there was always, I always asked myself that question, why do we wait? Why do we wait you know, until there's a crisis before we start thinking about the value of our reputation, especially when you consider, and I know with your audience being business owners, that 65% of all new business comes through referrals. Right, now, right. referral is a thousand percent based upon your reputation and the work that you've done and the promise of that interaction, right? So when you think about reputation, I often like to start with a, a grounding question. Can I ask this of you? I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. Go for it. You're the one, this is your show, right? But, but I want to ask you a question <laughs> right, right off the bat, right? So if, if I were to ask you right now to put a dollar value on your reputation, what would that be, Scott? 
Oh, how, I mean, how much? How much is it worth? It would be in the millions. It would be in the millions. In the millions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I love that. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I think you're still underestimating. Okay. Good. I like it. that. I like that better. <laughs> Let's call my banker. <laughs> well, you, you, you can absolutely. We'll do it right after this. But but here's the funny thing, man. When I do my keynotes and I'm speaking to to organizations or associations. I'll ask that question. And I love it because I typically get three answers. Okay. And the first one from people who are more financially minded, you know, in in that sense will say similar to you, they'll say it's worth 10 X my current salary, you know, because they're they're betting on the future opportunities. I'll get others that'll say that it's priceless. And Oh, interesting. I agree with that. I mean, it, it, it is priceless, right? They have to say that your, your reputation is all you have when everything else is gone. Right. And But the third answer that I get for this, Scott, that I absolutely love, and this is what I'm hoping to get out of today's conversation and maybe empower your audience with is the shift of thinking is the answer that I get that I love is I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Right. I never thought of putting a dollar value on my reputation, which really gets us to the point of saying, you know, we we often don't recognize the value of our reputation until after we've paid a price. Yeah, so interesting. Interesting. I wait on that. So my message, my my encouragement, the reason why I wrote my book, Reputation Shift, was all about this idea of shifting leaders to an idea and a space of proactively building, developing, designing our reputations to drive our business. Well, that's a great point, Mike. So you've got me hooked now. How do I do this? <laughs> what, what do I do to, to kind of change the way I think so that I can be a little bit more proactive in this? Or what have, what have you seen from your expertise? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that, that go into this, Scott. I mean, and this could be, you know, hours long, but I'm, I'm going to condense it for the time. That's right. Full day seminar in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So, so here we go. You know, for me, it starts first and foremost with values. Mm-hmm. In order to build a reputation that you are proud of, that is authentic to you, it has to start first and foremost with your values, what you believe in, what you stand for. And more importantly, it's not just what you believe in, what you stand for, but then you've got to put it into action. So right? kind of like our core values, right? It is. It is. So, so listen, if you value trust, then you will be trustworthy. If you value hard work, then you'll be a hard worker, right? It's about bringing your values to life. Right. Oftentimes people say, oh, this is my value. This is what I value. But, but there's this weird disconnect into what we actually see, isn't it? And, and that's, that's, typically, right. yeah. that's typically where you see folks, I call this reputation manipulation, which is where you'll see people acting in different ways in different settings with different people. They're like chameleons. You don't know what you're really getting. Yeah, that's right. Not predictable. And, and so let me ask you this question then. Yeah. So an executive is working for or in a large organization. Mm-hmm. Should we look at our own personal core values or are we looking at the institutional core values? Oh, that, that's, that's an awesome question. See, I'm, I'm a big believer that an organization doesn't build its reputation, right? The reputation of the organization is built upon the shoulders of every single person that walks in representing that brand every single day. And right. that's with not only the external customers, but it's also their internal colleagues and key stakeholders, right? The executives up and down the line. So I really believe that there, there has to be an alignment doesn't mean that every single thing checks, but you can't be so far apart in your personal values to the company's values, right? To truly actually bring together this beautiful opportunity of of building. And and that's what we call the reputation halo. Okay. So for example, 
you know, back in the in the mid 2000s during the midst of, of the housing crisis, right? If, if you were in the mortgage business, okay, you didn't have to work for Countrywide for people to go, right. oh, you're in mortgages, <laughs> right? There's this right. halo. There's this halo that that extends it. A negative and halo. Works. A negative yeah, halo. Yeah. And the thing, but it's also a positive one too. Like if yeah. you know, that's why people want to work for companies like Apple, you know, or Nike because they have a positive reputation halo uh, oh, yeah. for their particular brand, and people want to feel like they're in that as well. So yes, there has to be some alignment of those values. However, it starts first and foremost with ourselves. Okay, great, great. And so what else should we know about how to build this revenue generating reputation? Yes. So here, here are some, some other pieces that, that, that I want to, I want to share. Okay. Now the first highlight though, man, and, and I'm going to just like put this way over here on the side, but it, it, we got to keep it really in our minds is that Okay. There's no shortcut for this. You know, Warren Buffett once said that it takes 20 years to build a great reputation and less than five minutes to ruin it, you yeah. know? And, and if we thought of it that way, we would, we would act differently. So consistency and time, consistency and time are the key indicators here that align again with, with your values. So here's what I want to share. There's one strategy that I put into play when I was working for a company called Nextel, right? The, the telecom company. And this is when we were the series sponsor for NASCAR. So it was the, the NASCAR Nextel Cup series. And I was running the marketing communications for, for that uh, sponsorship at the time for Nextel. And, and uh, it was the largest sports sponsorship in sports history at the wow. time, $750 wow. million. Wow. Um, That's real money. Real money, man. And it, it was, it was absolutely in an incredible time for, for me professionally uh, and to be part of such a, such a program. But here's the interesting thing. We, we were merging with Sprint midway through the sponsorship. And uh, I'm not a smart guy, man. Okay. I, I'll admit that. I mean, I, I got my areas, but you know, when they always say like two dots are an occurrence, three become a trend, you know, and, and you right. keep going, well, my PR team, as we were going through the merger, we, we kept getting these calls from, from the media right? Saying, hey, we hear that you guys, that Nextel, you're, you're not committed to the sport anymore, that you're not you know, putting the technology in anymore. Your executives are more focused on the merger than they are the sponsorship. And um, gosh, it got us thinking because media were starting to write articles about this. you know. And I took the team together and, and I said, hey guys, let's start writing all these questions out. What are we getting dinged on right now? What's happening out there around us that we continuously get these questions on? And we had about eight questions that kept coming up from technology to executive support, et cetera. And I said, okay, great. Here's the work session. Here's the statement. Do we have an actual reply to this? Is, is there a gap or is there something that we're actually doing and there's a lack of information, right? So we put this together and what Scott, I created was this thing called the says who sheet says who. Okay. Now I'm from Long Island, New York, right? So I'm going to try not to say it in my says who, you know, like all, <laughs> all negative in, the, in your face. Right. But really it became a, a great resource and tool for us as a team and organization to recognize where yeah. there might be gaps or blind spots for public perception of what's going on. So here's how it played out. Okay. We would start getting calls and media would say, oh, we, we don't believe, or we don't think that you are, are investing your technology. And we'd say, oh, really? Well, hmm, says who? Because we've actually in the last three months deployed X, Y, and Z, and we've actually put together these new programs that are working for this, that, and the other, right? So suddenly we're able to take what could have been a reputational risk for us and 
spin it to where, no, there's an investment. That's that a great idea. Making, right? And then the great part of that was that the media would either say, oh, that's great. And they'd write nothing, which in PR, sometimes writing nothing is better than writing something that's negative. Or we'd actually get a story about how we continue to invest during this merger. Now, that, that was where it worked well. The other side, though, Scott, is that there were some questions they asked where we're like, gosh, you know, I think they, they're right. They're right. So what can we be doing proactively now that we recognize is that we can actually fill the gap? Well, what I like about this system, Mike, is that similar to the way good sales professionals will, prior to the sales meeting, know what those objections are and know and practice how to overcome and move the deal forward in spite of those many times, in fact, because of those, you were smart enough to see this as a trend also, and you do the exact same thing. Is that a lesson that we can take from this as business people? Should we be spending time anticipating what our concerns with our reputation. Is that what you're suggesting? I am. So what I'm suggesting here, and that's 100% spot on, Scott, is that it's not only our reputation and maybe as an organization, right? Sometimes we're working for a company and we're going to talk with a group that may have worked with us years ago. And they're like, mm, I don't know. And you're already starting by climbing out of a hole potentially, right? right? You could be in an industry where, you know, maybe you aren't a culprit, of a behavior, but maybe the industry right now is in a spotlight. So it's casting a shadow on you, right? So you want to be able to be prepared. So if something is happening with your industry, say it's around cybersecurity, you know, as an example, and in your industry, they're getting dinged for a lot of security breaches. Well, then you're going to want to make sure that when you are speaking with groups or you're speaking with a client or a prospect, that you were talking about all the things you're doing proactively in cybersecurity. You right. know, it's looking at the bigger picture, seeing how it can impact you, but using it as a reputational differentiator to show how you were ahead of something or you're oh, that's interesting. Head on instead of, again, proactive instead of reactive. And so what, what do you think are some of the pitfalls as we are leaders of organizations, even if we're owning a small business or we have a practice within a firm? What are some of the pitfalls you think professionals fall into as they're thinking about reputation? <laughs> well, one of the pitfalls, quite honestly, it's a three-letter word called ego, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we always had a saying in, in PR, it's like, don't, don't believe your own PR, right. okay? So, Mike, you say, don't believe your own PR. Why is it so hard for us to get away from that? What's the danger with that? What have you seen from your expertise as a marketing expert? Why is it so hard for us to get away from believing our own PR? Yeah, well, look, sometimes it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we work hard, you know, we, we do. And, and we want to sometimes at first, you say, like, oh, that's really great. But there's a danger, man. It's a slippery slope where people really start to believe all the good. And, and that's the challenge. That feeds into the ego, right? And it gets into this sort of cycle. The interesting thing, Scott, is that 85% of executives, and this was in a study that was done recently, 85% of executives say that reputational risk is one of their greatest strategic challenges in front of them. Okay. The scary thing, though, is that only 15% actually do anything about it. 15%. You know, and when you dig into the reasons why, a lot of it has to do with people don't want to look in the mirror. Yeah, that's it's right. Hard, it's hard work sometimes, you know, to really dig into this. So, you know, if if you truly want to truly want to use your reputation as that revenue driver, that differentiator for you and your cluttered market, and let's just be honest about things here. If you're in a in a service market. Okay. Respectfully, I say this with, with respect and love. Okay. Know right. the intention. Okay. It 
is and can be commoditized. We yeah. can all do the old, you know, Pepsi taste, the Pepsi challenge, right? And then blindfold people. And it comes down to very specific offerings. This is where this is where your reputation is going to be that differentiator for you. Yeah, that's great. And that kind of changes the conversation away from who's cheapest to what's different about you. What does your reputation say about you? That's exactly right. That is exactly right because it's based upon people's experiences. So how would you summarize this then kind of bringing this home to a close? Yep. If we could take everything you've talked about and boil it down to three action steps, what would mm-hmm. be three action steps our listeners can take to really onboard these ideas and start integrating them into what we do all day as professionals? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the first step is, especially with the says who sheet, okay, is to gather your team or task your team to assess your industry challenges. Where are the risk points within the industry that they're hearing about, that they're reading about, that's, that may be coming down the line, in fact, right? They're not quite here yet, but they're coming down the line. Again, this idea of being proactive. Start with the assessment, okay? And then next step on that would be bring that, bring all that information together and then on paper, the whiteboard, whatever it is, start writing down what are the things that as an organization you were doing to meet, mitigate, or handle these risk points. Okay. So that if it's ever brought up, if it's ever brought up, you have an answer for what you're doing proactively to address it. And then the third part, quite simply, is once you've figured out where you're serving, you know, those risk points, where there are gaps, and then what you're doing to build bridges in those gaps, because we should be looking for ways to, to, you know, bridge, you know, those challenges, then it's a matter of how do we take this information and put it into our marketing materials? How do we integrate it into our sales pitches? How do we put it into, you know, our conversation points when we're speaking with people so that if it were to come up, we're ready to go. Or we can proactively say, gosh, you know, there's so much happening now. In that example I used earlier about cybersecurity, gosh, you know, there's so much going on these days in cybersecurity. Here are like three things that we've just picked up and started doing, and it's been game changers for our clients. Right, Right, those are great ideas. You're spinning, right, you're spinning what could be a potential negative for your industry, more importantly, how it's hitting your company, and you're turning that into a positive differentiator that's helping to build strength in one of your greatest assets. Mike, this is great. Real tangible ideas that everybody can implement today. They can really start to build that awareness of how our reputation does impact our revenue generating opportunities. So tell us then about your offerings. I want to know more about what you do and what you spend time doing and what our listeners can benefit from. So what are what are some of the things you want them to know about your services, Mike? Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you you, you asking on, on that, Scott, for sure. So a lot of my work is done on the, the speaking side. You know, my programs are very much around high content, high performance programs. I'm a big believer coming out of the motorsports world that, that we were all designed to be high performance vehicles. Yet yeah, we often great. kind of get wrapped up in our heads too much yeah. of we're too slow, we're too old, we're too banged up. You know, it, it, it's all <laughs> crap, right? So, so I, I offer, you know, through key notes through, you know, senior strategic uh, kickoffs, uh, workshops, you know, ways that we can dig into areas of reputation and mindset and peak performance to drive our business, to actually create traction. That's great. Yeah. Mike, this is great. We're going to put all of your links on the show notes. So if anybody's listening, you want to connect with Mike, feel free to reach him directly. We'll put his LinkedIn link on there also. And Mike, thanks so much for being on the show. I'd love to have you back on as a guest talking about some of these other talking points. 
That would be great, Scott. Listen, thank you for all you're doing for business owners out there. You're, you're really you're empowering them. You're giving them the tools to take their business to that next level as rainmakers. So again, thank you for all that you're putting into this. These, these uh, podcasts don't happen by accident, right? Thank so you, thank Mike. You for that. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.